Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by our man in Hollywood, Matty D. Good morning or afternoon or good night, whenever, whatever time zone you're listening to, Yeah. to this show. Welcome, 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 welcome. And welcome to another installment of our movie talk series, where we can just talk, we can let our hair down, we can talk about whatever we want in the world of movies and in the world of our show and just take a break from predicting movies because typically if you haven't heard our show before, this is a weird episode to start on, but typically what we do is we look at all the promotional material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster and then we attend to predict as much of the plot as humanly possible, but we're not doing that this week. But no, we are not. If you wanted to put one of our previous movies to the test, you can, because currently in cinemas, if you can even get to cinemas, Black Widow is currently screening. Finally. It's the first, Finally. It's the first MCU movie since Spider-Man Far From Home. That's incredible. Can you believe How long ago did we watch Spider-Man Far From Home? There hasn't been an MCU movie since then. How long have people been asking for a Black Widow movie as well? Since like, the dawn of time. No, since the character was basically introduced. I think and since, now it's just out now. I think since she played such a big part in that first Avengers movie, I think that's when people wanted a Black Widow movie. Mm, yes. And they delayed it. Back for like in 2012? They, they delayed it almost two years. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. And it's finally almost a out. decade. It's finally out. And I actually hear good things about it. Really? Yeah, people say it's really like sort of grounded and gritty. They said it sort of harkens back to the Winter Soldier style movie. Oh, okay. Well, as everybody knows, that's one of the few Marvel movies that I like. So if it's going to be like that, I'm excited. Well, uh, yeah, I I didn't have high expectations for it personally. So it's good to hear. Yeah, well, there you go. Let us know if you've seen it. So maybe listen to our episode on that movie after you've seen the movie. I think it's more rewarding if you do that, especially if we accidentally spoil a major plot point for you. And I think we aimed high for that one. I think we tried to make a big call in that. So if that turns out to be accurate, and I'm 90% confident that it is. If we can call that, then I think we did an excellent job. But we've got a whole heap of movies that we covered in this show that are out now on streaming services. Yeah, that's so right. Take your pick, The Forever really. Purge is out. Luke is out. Cruella. Cruella, of course. I've seen all of these, of course, except for The Forever Purge. I haven't had a chance to see that yet because it's only in cinemas. But yeah, it's very rewarding, I've got to say, going in and watching these. I was on Netflix the other day and, the, and it recommended Gemini Man for me. And oh, I was like, no. no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> So I called you our man in Hollywood before, so how are things in Tinseltown at the moment? I know it's a bit hard with COVID, but still. Your boy might be in an ad soon, but oh, really? other than that, all quiet can you, can you on say, the Western Front. Can you say what you're advertising? Uh, not yet. I haven't got. I haven't booked the job yet, so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, since we are in a country that is, or in a city that's in lockdown yeah, at the moment. The whole country things, is in lockdown. Things currently. are a little... A little quiet. I'm in two plays at the moment and both are trying to be optimistic where we're doing our rehearsals online. I don't really? know if you've ever done anything online. like Well, as, working. <laughs> well, you know you know what I mean, meetings online and things like yeah, that. But course. like rehearsing online is really an interesting experience. Yeah. I've done it before. I did it last lockdown. So yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. I suppose it's a lot easier doing it for the safety of your home. Imagine if the whole play... I have actually seen this done. I was going to say, imagine if the whole play was done over Zoom. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, but I have actually seen and that I, done. And I, you know, you, you do it's what you can right do, medium. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Doing a play over Zoom, oh. I think the best way to do it would be if the actors are actually in a space together and they're just live streaming the play for the audience. See, I've that seen would make that, more sense. I've seen that too. And even that. Sort of, yeah, you, I know they do do that. You rob, you get robbed of an experience there. Can you, are you allowed to talk about the project that you're working on with Melissa McCarthy? <laughs> um, 
I don't see why not, but I thought we were going to save that to when we cover that in the episode. We're not covering the Melissa McCarthy project that you're working on in this show. It's it's a TV show from what I understand yes. and not a movie. Yes, it so is. we're not covering that. So I was an extra in... Unless you're in The Kitchen too. What was the... I can't, I've, I've totally forgotten what the show's called. Oh, wow. That's really helpful. Nicole Kidman was in it, wasn't she? Is yeah, it's Nicole based Kidman, on a book. Melissa McCarthy, sort of like miniseries and you're in yeah. it. Yeah. Just so our audience knows, they might catch you in the background of a shot. Yeah, I'm trying to find the name of it. Because you're the lead. You're one of the lead characters, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, really, what are you doing in it? So I'm an extra in this in yeah. this TV show. I got uh, got a job uh, being a background person, civilian in New York City. Yeah. So you may not even know that it's Matty D. You might just see like standard New Yorker. I'm wearing. Going, hey, a, I'm walking here. I'm wearing a white jacket. So when I, <laughs> I they, okay. So with, with with this shot, it was very very secretive. They said. They said that uh, they were like, "Hey, do you, do you want to do this show? This is how how much you're going to be paid." And I didn't know I didn't know very much about it at all. So I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, this is good." And then when I came, that's when I sort of realized on the day of the shoot what I was actually doing. It was right. actually for this uh, big budget miniseries. Yeah, and I didn't even realize like Nicole Kidman was involved, but she was on set. And there we go. Melissa um, McCarthy wasn't on set, was she? No, she. But she's in this TV show, yes. which is crazy. We, we, I mean, I'm in a Melissa McCarthy project, really. Like our paths are sort of linked in a way. Yeah. And I remember being on on set, and they we're just sort of people just walking in the background. And I remember the director just being like, "Well, they had so many different kind of people organizing it because it was yeah. so big." And they were just like, "Okay, look, we're going to put you over here, and you're going to walk towards where the sort of action is happening." I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but. There's a scene in which Nicole Kidman was involved and another actor was involved and they're like, okay, yep. you're going to walk past it, but you're going to walk past very far away. So you might not actually get in the shot, mm-hmm. but you're just you're just walking towards it. Yeah. You know? You're not trying to get in the shot. Yeah. 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 It's just like you might get in the shot, you might not get in the shot, but you're just walking from, you know, right, right down the road because it was like on a street, right down the road to where the action is. And you actually filmed in New York. Yeah, yeah, I filled in New York. They flew me to New York. No, during COVID, a little, too. a little bit behind the curtain. It was actually in Sydney. They pretended it was New York. Oh, there we dressed go. up cabs in yellow paint and shit. Wow. Um, and so she was like, "Okay, you might not get in the shot." And I was like, "The fuck, I won't." <laughs> so, so like your boy is like running because <laughs> I'm a busy New Yorker. I'm like, I'm getting in this fucking shot. And every a single, day. every <laughs> single shot, yeah, carrying a briefcase. Every single shot, I like run and then I slow down, slow down to a snail's pace as soon as I'm in where the action's happening, just <laughs> dawdling. And then they're like, "Okay, well, we we're gonna shoot this from a different side, okay? So you know, some actors will go over here and we'll shoot it from a different side." And I'm like, "I'm getting, I'm getting in this movie." I'm getting this TV show somewhere or another. So I made myself in the other shot as well. So I might have fucked the continuity of this script up where people are just like, that guy in the white jacket, why is he everywhere? But yeah. It kind of reminds me of a scene from Twins. If you know the movie Twins, when Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are brothers, Mm. well, identical twins, aren't they? There's a scene in that where the two of them are wearing matching outfits and they're walking down like a busy street in LA or something like that. And you see the same woman in a stripy shirt walk past 10 times in the background in different directions. (laughs) You're going to be like That's that going to be guy. me. I'm going to ruin things. I'm going to be like an internet trivia thing. Okay, so the title, I for- I'm sorry, I forgot this, was Nine Perfect Strangers. That's what oh, it is. Oh, there we go. I've actually heard of that. So if you are, you know, in lockdown like the rest of us and you want to watch that TV show, I don't is know it if it's out, out yet? or not. I don't know. If it's not out yet, I think it's coming out soon. Yeah. Have a look for me. I'm wearing a white jacket. <laughs> well, we don't know what episode you're in, so. I, think- I don't even know what episode so I'm in. So you've got to watch the whole show and just keep an eye out. Maybe when, maybe one of us will bite the bullet and actually watch the show and then tell people like at what time in which episode mm. you appear just for the sake of I the gotta show. say though I had so much fun on that set it was it's just got it had a good vibe about it and I you know 
getting paid just to walk. Yeah. And Nicole Kidman was like a, a gem to work with. Oh my! She? Well, I didn't. Well, obviously, I. You know, we we didn't encounter each other a lot. No, they, they were very protective of uh, you know, Miss Kidman, us, us scrubs interacting with oh, the really? real stars. But my God, she's stunning. Oh really? In the flesh, yes. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, she seemed nice. She seemed like a nice person. Ever, yeah. everyone Didn't they tell you like, really not nice. to look at her, not to make like eye contact with her, oh, not to touch her? You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get me in trouble. I'm uh, sorry. I'll never work again. No, well, nobody they, knows who you are. They, like The people on set were like really, really the, the most lovely, as everybody who works on sets are there, but like so down to earth and so cool. And they're just like, look, we, we need everyone to move because- Nicole and you know Keith Urban. Keith <laughs> Urban kids, was there. Their kids are going to come kids. through, and you know you can't. You if you see them, don't talk to them and don't make eye contact. Don't with them. take photos it's of like, them. Fucking hell! Well, obviously, don't take photos of them. You know, yeah. it ruins. It ruins. Don't throw stuff at them. Yeah, Mandy D's off to the side throwing bread at them <laughs> like they're ducks. <laughs> Well, you know, I want to I want to make them come over, so I'm going to throw ducks like throw <laughs> ducks, throw, ducks. Throw, throw bread, so they like they waddle over. But, <laughs> but from what I could see, they seem like well, I didn't see Keith Urban, but like Nicole seemed like really lovely. I think just, you dodged a bullet there. Just uh, <laughs> just just because she was like she was talking to people and really really open and really nice. So I don't know. I don't there know. we go. Maybe maybe a good day. And don't want to besmirch the name of Nicole Kidman, one of our yeah. national treasures. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. And I think I think she sort of spotted me in the set. Oh, yeah? It was just like that guy in the white jacket. That guy in the white jacket. We need to bring him to Hollywood. We yeah. need to make a star out of him. We all start somewhere, Kieran. Yeah. When I'm a big international movie star and you're you're still doing this podcast covering my <laughs> movies, uh, we're gonna. Well, we're gonna. Uh, speaking of, aren't you? We, we'll keep it quiet for the time being. But didn't you work on a project that we're gonna cover on this show in the future? Mm, your boy might be in a Marvel movie. Let's oh, just okay. Say so that. you're just gonna flat out say it? Well, I didn't say which one. Okay, fair enough. I mean, we're covering a fair few in the future. We're, yeah, so we're covering something, and you know, the universe is big. But let's just yeah, say, that's right. let's just say. So you're going to be in the Eternals, is what you're saying? You're going to be one <laughs> of the tribes. I'm going to be one but... of the Eternals. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, all right. So, but that was my goal, right? Was to be yeah in a movie that we were covering. That's on the right. Show. So my goal was to do a sequel <laughs> for a movie that we've already covered, which we've done. We've achieved my goal, and your goal was to appear in one of the movies that we're mm. covering, and we're almost going to hit that goal. We're going to oh, hit that goal exciting. in the future. Very exciting. But yeah, I'm excited. So, oh, now everyone can start speculating which Marvel movie you're going to appear in. Yeah. So just think about the ones which they're filming in Australia. Spoilers, all of them. <laughs> That's the good thing. That well, that was the good thing. There was so much work going on. I yeah, was like, exactly. hell's yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, they're filming all of the current Marvel movies in Australia. So mm. I think even Eternals was a film. Well, I mean, was that, filmed in Australia. That's why they shot this Nine Perfect Strangers here was just because they couldn't in America. So they, yeah, exactly. they made Sydney look like uh, New York City. And it was raining that particular day as well. So oh, when nice. I, when I was <laughs> barreling down the street to get in the shot, I nearly slipped over a few times. Oh, no. Your boy. That would have been great if there's just Matty D in the background. <laughs> Ooh, knocking, knocking people over. Yeah. Oh, I hope you had an umbrella. No, I just didn't. Just waving it around, hitting people in the no, face. No, I didn't. So the whole premise of this episode is... I forced you to watch this. So we each went away last week and we each forced each other to watch a movie from start to finish. And we're here today to discuss the movies and whether we liked them or not. Maybe we hated them. Mm, so it's like when you're dating somebody. Yeah, that's and right. And your partner's just like, you got to watch this movie. You haven't that's seen right. this movie. You haven't seen this movie. We got to watch it right now. And yes. they make you watch a movie they like. And that's exactly the circumstance here because these two movies that we both watched this week are both movies that each of us has said to the other person, you've got to watch this movie. Mm. And I've been saying it for years, and I know Matty D's been saying it to me for years as well. And we've both finally watched them. And we're yes. here today to finally have a conversation that we would typically have candidly off air. 
on air. We're going to do it on this show. We're going to find out our genuine reactions. Neither of us have had discussions at all before the show about these movies. So, yeah, you're going to hear our real reactions and real responses basically right now. What was the movie that you picked for me to watch, Matty D? So I picked a Studio Ghibli movie called Porco Rosso. That's right. And uh, should we talk about what the movie is? Yeah, that's right. So obviously it's Porco Rosso. I mistakenly have been calling it El Porco Rosso for years. Oh, well, you know. I've called it El Porco Rosso in the lead up to this show, in the last episode and in the Luca episode. Yeah. I had no idea it was just called Porco Rosso. I've just been calling it El Porco Rosso (laughs) the whole time. And I haven't picked that up either, so... Probably because I knew nothing about the movie. Mm. I'd only just heard the title from you. I didn't even know what the movie looked like, what it was about. Oh, really? Nothing you knew about nothing it. Nothing going, about it. No, you must have seen some it. visuals. Surely. Nope. No, saw really? no visuals at all. Knew nothing about it at all. I knew that wow. there was a pig involved. But that was it. That was it. So the movie came out in 1992, and as we already mentioned, it was produced by Studio Ghibli. Did you know it was pronounced that way? Well, I've heard Ghibli. Yes. I've heard Ghibli. Yes. And you're saying it's it's a, there's a third way of pronouncing it's Ghibli. It. Ghibli. So the two syllables are supposed to rhyme. Ghibli. Oh, okay. That and makes that's a more Japanese sense. word too. Sense. I've got. I've been so self-conscious about the pronunciation of that particular studio, just because I've been yelled at so many different times for mispronouncing it, both like Ghibli or Ghibli, and I'm just like, oh god, am I saying it right? So you're saying it's Ghibli. That was my phone, everybody. How unprofessional. <laughs> yes, is that? it is Ghibli. So Ghibli. I, I looked up the pronunciation because I've always just said Ghibli. Yeah. Which apparently is wrong. You've always said that that's wrong. You said it's Ghibli, but apparently it's apparently Ghibli. Apparently that's wrong too. Yeah. We're just, you know, unconscious We're swines over idiots. here. idiots. Quite so, like Porco himself. Ghibli. So I actually watched the 2005 Disney dub. I know Japanese purists out there are going to like draw me over the coals uh, for doing that. But, no. You know, I, I, you know I find those ones are the best value. Because the, the game that I like to play whenever I watch any of the Studio Ghibli dubs is I'm like, okay, who are they going to get in as voice actors? Because they always get in like huge names to be voice actors. They'll get in decent voice actors, but they'll also get in big stars. Hollywood stars For the main well. characters, yeah. And then you just sit there and you like try and guess who the voice actor is. I'm like, who is that? Who's that? And then when you work it out, you're like, yes, it's like a big achievement for me. I've just realized our movies share. Yes, I know. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. Both movies we've covered have the like the same actor in a starring role in it. Yeah. Isn't that such a weird coincidence? It is. So the 2005 Disney dub that I watched had Michael Keaton as uh, Paul Caruso himself. It also had Carrie Elways and it had Meg from Hercules <laughs> in it. And it also had most of the cast of SpongeBob, which I was incredibly excited about. Had Tom Kenny in it. Had uh, Who's the, Roger Bumpus in it. And it the had, brother of Everyone Loves Raymond. What's his yeah, name? Yeah. Uh, oh, it, right? yes, that's right. Yeah. Raymond, that Raymond. guy. Yeah, he, Everyone loves Raymond. He's in it. And also L. Bowen, the Chuck from Monkey Island. <laughs> I know! He's in it! The psychiatrist from the Terminator movies is in it as well. I was so excited to hear his voice. So yeah, I just had a fantastic time just laughing at all the cast members. And I, there'd just be so many instances where I'm like, oh, I know that voice. Who is that <laughs> voice? Oh, it's this person. Yeah. So that was just a treat for me itself. So what is your history with Porco Rosso? Yeah. Should we say what it's about? Uh, we, we, when we break down right. the plot. We can talk about what yeah, it's about. Okay. But. So I'll just say my history with it. It's actually you share a part in this story, actually, because oh, I really? I'd seen a Studio Ghibli film when yeah. I was really young. I saw uh, House Moving Castle in the oh, cinema. Yeah. They were doing one. like a special where they were, like were showing it in the cinemas, and yeah. I remember watching it. Thought it was really stunning. Didn't really it didn't really grab me. I didn't understand the oh really behind. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I, I do now, but at the time I thought it was really good and then it got kind of a little bit bizarre at the end and at the time yeah. I was just like, this is just too weird for me. 
And I can't remember if I, sure, I saw it in dub or if I saw it in... I must have been dub, yeah. Yeah, it would have been the dub yeah. with Christian Bale as Hal. So I hadn't revisited any of those movies since because I just thought, oh, it's just my not my cup of tea. Yeah. Until we did a show, you and me and, a, and another person as well, did a show called Best Movie Quest where we covered... Um, Spirited Away Spirited Away That's And that right. was the first time I watched Spirited Away And I was so blown away By that movie and You were I was, Spirited Away yourself Yeah And I was dating somebody At the time Who was a real fan Of of all of those movies So yeah. I really like Spirited Away and, and she was just like Well you've got to watch XYZ So I started binging These movies Like Kiki's Delivery Service movies Yep uh, Princess Mononoke um, Great movie uh, what's the Nasaka and the Valley of the Wind? Yep. What about the Cat Comes Castle, Back? Castle. I'd never watched that one. <laughs> Castle in the Sky. Uh, Totoro and Porco Rosso was one of them. And I and every single movie I watched, and I still have this opinion today. I, I loved. I was like, why did it take me so long yeah. to to be introduced to these movies? Like like Kid Matty D would have loved them. I, I love them now. Yeah. They've got such a good heart to them. And yeah, Porco Rosso was one of the ones I watched. I remember the person I was dating at the time said, "You need to watch this movie. It's re- it's really fun." And I was watching the movie and I and I had a blast with it. And I was like, this is kind of, this is just my opinion. I was like, it has the heart of uh, Ghibli. It has the heart of, um, it's Hans Miyazaki, right? Has the heart of Hans Miyazaki. But it's kind of got like a James Bond, uh, Indiana Jones, like adventure pirate fun edge to it. And I'm just thinking, Kieran would love this. Mm. This would be right down Kieran's alley. Like I know you like animated movies, but it's not really your cup of tea per se. But I was like, yeah. it's just, it's I'm just very take it or leave it with animated movies. Yeah, but it's ticking, and I, I was having a lot of fun, and I like it's ticking a lot of boxes. And I and I know you had people in your life that loved the movie as well. So I was like, hey, Kieran, yes. have you seen Porco Rosso? You said no, and I was like, ah, oh, I think this is something you'd really like. For whatever reason, you never came to watch it, and I was like, yeah. As an adult, I find myself being less and less attracted to animated movies, specifically animes themselves. Because for the yeah. most part, I don't like a lot of anime. Sure. So I guess I was a bit hesitant in that regard. But yeah. More- I feel like these kind of movies are very different though. So that's the reason why you picked it for me? Because you just thought it would be up my alley and I you thought, really enjoyed yeah, it? Yeah, I thought it would be really up your alley. There was a few other movies that I thought I'd force. Like, I thought I was going to force a Marvel movie on you or, yeah. or a movie called Ready to Rumble, which is one of the worst movies I've oh ever seen. I, was, I think I was, I was going to... Or the Keenan and Kel movie. Maybe we'll do that. Or the... Or the uh, Fat Albert movie. I was going to force a really bad one. You know, I have seen most of these movies. But in, but in the lead up... Have you seen Ready to Rumble? Uh, I think I might have. Oh, poor you. But in the lead up to, to this episode, we've covered so many... So many times we talk about Porco Rosso just through... Proxy, yeah. Yeah, and, and other movies referencing it or whatnot. And every time you just like still haven't seen it, I'm like... Yeah. And I'm continually reminded of, Kieran would really like this movie... And he's not watching it, so that's why I made you watch it today. Well, there we go. Should we talk about what happens in the movie? Yeah. So, basically, I think the movie takes place in 1929 in Italy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, it's between the two world wars. So, it takes place after World War One and before World War Two. So, it's in that weird sort of post-war time. Europe's trying to recover from the war. Not that we see a lot of that in the movie. Uh, so, the main character is Marco Porco Rossellini. And he's a former World War One fighter pilot, an ace fighter pilot, who somehow got a curse where he was transformed into a pig man. And he now works as a freelance bounty hunter. So, yeah, the movie opens up. He's rescuing a bunch of schoolgirls from a bunch of very animated pirates <laughs> who have very similar voices. Yeah. And we learn straight away that he's this renowned pilot. Everyone knows him and everyone loves him. 
He's got this massive reputation as a badass. He's got this cool hideout. Yes, he does. He lives on, like, Scaramanga's Island from The Man with the Golden Gun, basically. Yeah. Where he parks his little seaplane up on the shore and he sleeps in a tent under the stars, which, you know, is a lifestyle that I aspire to. Oh, man, I'd love that, too. That'd be great. Just drinking wine and eating apples or whatever he's eating. Yeah, exactly. Listening to the radio. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. And, and by night, he goes to a bar to visit his the love of his life, Gina. See, her bar is like on this sort of like stone, looked like a place straight out of Men in Black International. <laughs> it's very James Bond-esque, I thought. Yeah, kind of. So it was sort of reminded me more of Casablanca, this bar, yeah. where Gina gets up and she sings in French every night to all the pirates who come in and hang out before going off to do, you know, pirate stuff. And then Porco Rosso pops in to have a meal and drink by himself upstairs and they can reminisce about when he used to be a human. So from what I understand, he used to be a human, used to be a handsome guy. They had, you know, a mutual friend. He and Gina had a mutual friend. He and that mutual friend went off to war. The battle, they had a huge, like, aerial dogfight. He described it as the worst aerial dogfight he's ever been involved with, with either the Germans or the Turkish soldiers. I can't remember. I think they were Germans because they had the Iron Cross I think they were Germans. On, on their plane. And correct me if I'm wrong, he blacked out during the battle. So he was fighting. He was trying to stay alive. He blacked out during the battle. And when he came to, he found himself floating in the clouds. He looked up and he saw all of the other people who were in the battle floating up to this big, giant stream of planes floating in the ether. And so it's basically like a metaphor They're for dead. them them dying and going up to heaven. Yeah. And he saw his friend going up to heaven and he saw like enemy German pilots floating up to heaven as well. Yeah. And then he tried to follow them, but he couldn't because he was still alive. Still alive, yeah. And then when he came to, he found himself sort of floating in the ocean and just realized, oh, I blacked out. And so the curse is supposed to be like a metaphor for him feeling like he's a coward. Is that right? I think so. He feels I mean, like he deserted I, his friend by blacking out I and guess causing that, his death. You can really analyze it however you want, but I think like that, it's very metaphorical, yeah, and I don't think yeah. it's supposed to make a lot of sense. Well, I think the death scene is like he he nearly died, but then got pulled back to life. And I yeah. I never thought of it like him being a coward or him feeling bad about that. I because thought because occasionally throughout the movie, people see him as his true self. They see his real face. Uh, and those he's are sleeping. In, no, he's never sleeping when they see him. It's like when he's being reflective and he's thinking. And I, it's also in moments of triumph as well. When he's feeling more positive about himself, people suddenly see his real face. Uh, so is there is there a time? Because the only time I remember people seeing his face is when the girl and and him are sleeping. And yeah, I was going to get to Theo in a second. Yeah, but yeah. And so then, he's and not right sleeping. Then. He's sitting up and he's being reflective. He's right. collecting his like ammunition together and he's thinking about what he's going to do the next day. Yeah. And but- then during that moment, and when he's telling the story as well about his friend, suddenly she sees his real face. And at the end, when he's basically won the day and everything's right with the world and everything goes back to the status quo. His former enemy, Curtis, looks at him and sees his true face as well. Or so we think. But I guess we'll get to yes. that. But I, I don't know. I, I thought the whole pig message or the whole th- the fact that he's a pig was about him being a little bit of a chauvinist, maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't see it that way. That on the nose? He's not really chauvinist. He's, he very, he's very much a gentleman. I, are you serious? I yeah. think he's very chauvinistic. How is he chauvinistic at all? Uh, he sleeps around, right? Not that that's... Chauvinistic, well, but he doesn't sleep around. He's like too shy to even go to like go hang out with the love of his life. Well, that's. I mean, all the women life. love him, but like, just everyone thinks he's. cool. I think the impression you get is that he sleeps around, and also but he doesn't. He obviously does not. And um, and the way he, treats- he blushes when he sees bloomers. <laughs> well, so he clearly doesn't sleep around. <laughs> um, and there's that bit where they're all building the plane, and he's like, "Women can't do this work." He's very. Yeah, right. Negative towards but that's women. of the time. It's 1929, mm. of course. Because Hans Miyazaki- he comes around to it. 
I believe the character is based on him. I did hear that as well. Mm. But if that's true, he must be such a wanker if he thinks of himself <laughs> in that way. Oh, I'm the best at what I do, but I just uh, I don't think I'm that great. But everyone else thinks I'm the best, and everyone else thinks I'm really handsome, and everyone loves me. Well, also I read that he his father used to tell him stories about seaplane pilots, so he kind of yeah. has this heroic idea of them. And they, yeah, that's right. They're the, the purest of. It's heroes. a very romantic idea, isn't it? The Which whole I- idea of the like rogue fighter mm. pilot living day to day in the air, and because uh, I think his father used the to whole say, world is his oyster. The sea in the sky purifies the hearts of the seaplane pilot, and maybe that's why they all go into this. This ether. Yeah. Go, but this airplane heaven. I don't know. I guess you could draw your own conclusion with why is a pig. Pigs do appear a lot in those movies for some reason. Yeah. I thought going into it, I thought it was just going to be a world sort of like the Dragon Ball world where there's yeah. just like anthropomorphic animal people just hanging around. I would have accepted that just as easily. But apparently, no, he's the only one. He's got a curse. He's the only one. A self-imposed curse. Probably presumably. a witch or something. No, I don't think so. It's all self-imposed. And like I said, it's all metaphorical. But let's talk about the plot a little bit more. So during a battle with his nemesis, Curtis, who is a very over-the-top uh, American fighter guy. pilot who's voiced by Carrie Elways, interestingly enough, his plane gets irreparably damaged, so he has to go to this master planesmith. What was his name? Piccolo? Yeah. He has to go get his plane repaired by Piccolo. The most instead- Italian of Italian men. Yes. But instead, Piccolo hands the task over to his granddaughter, Fio, who is a brilliant plane designer. There's this great scene where they bring in all the Italian women from all over town, all of the like, relatives. He's got so many relatives. Because all the men are presumably, where are they? Are they at war? Yeah, they're at war. Okay, so it isn't between the wars. So there is a war going yeah, on. There is a war going on. That's why Porco Rosso's in trouble because he's been enlisted to fight because he's yeah, a pilot. Yeah, he ran away. And he ran away, which maybe that's feeds into the coward thing. And that's why yeah, the that's guy right. comes and talks to him and says, you you got to get out of the country or you got to like enlist. And the secret police are following him while he's getting yeah, his, and his he's plane ref- repaired. He's refusing repaired. to... He's refusing to join the war because he's against it. Yeah, that's right. So he has his plane repaired by all these women. Uh, Fio does a great job designing it. It's the best plane design he's ever had. She ends up insisting on coming with him on his adventures. And then when they return back to his sort of hideout, the pirates turn up there because apparently they knew where he lived the whole time. <laughs> the pirates turn up there and they fall in love with Fio. Yeah. And they basically strike up a deal with Curtis. Curtis comes along and says, hey, I want to marry Fio. He wants to marry everyone. He wants to marry. He also wants to marry Gina, yeah. who is Porco Rosa's love interest. He wants to marry her and go to Hollywood and become a movie star because he's a screenwriter apparently. <laughs> and yeah, so he wants to marry Fio if he can't have Gina. And then instead... Porcaroso is like, okay, we're going to have a battle. We're going to have an air battle. We're going to have a dogfight in our planes. And if I win, you have to pay off the repair cost for my plane. And if you win, you can take Theo to be your wife. Hmm. Of course, this leads to a huge spectacular event. And it was Theo who set this deal. Yeah, that's right. It it was Theo who set up this deal. Hmm. So this leads to a huge event where everyone from far and wide comes to to watch the big dogfight. They have a spectacular dogfight in the air. They end up shooting down each other's planes and end up having a fist fight <laughs> in the shallow water, which I thought would be interesting. I want to see an actual boxing match where they're standing waist deep in water. That'd be cool. Gina turns up at the last minute and encourages Porco to basically be the victor. He stands up during the you know the count to ten, the knockout count. I don't know what you call that. You're more into boxing than I am. Uh, the ten count. The ten count. There you go. <laughs> That's the technical term, apparently. Yeah, he stands up. He's the victor. He gets the money. He gives the money to Fio. Says, take this back to Piccolo. Pay, pay off him, his debt. Pay off his debt. And basically, he, he doesn't get the girl in the end. He doesn't. He's still not confident enough in himself to go with Gina. So, he, he flies off into the sunset. 
Or he's just a free spirit, you know? Yeah, he, he, he continues to be a free spirit. He doesn't want to be tied down, I suppose. And like I said, I don't think he's confident enough in himself. Well, he has a little bit of confidence because uh, good old Curtis sees his real face yeah. briefly. Well, it's kind of left on a little bit of a cliffhanger because we don't know as the audience if the curse is broken or if Curtis is saying, you look at your face because I beat it up. No, he, he sees that it's his true face. That is, you know, I don't think that's up to interpretation. I think it he is. He sees his true face. Because you could say it's because he got beaten up because we don't see well he's face. already seen he was looking at his beaten up face the whole time oh, you don't know but then suddenly you don't see porco's face you see him staring off into the distance you know thinking reflectively and then curtis looks at him and goes oh, your face he doesn't realize just then that he's beaten him up like i said it's not but, up to interpretation he but, sees his true face they've already established this earlier in the movie is, is the curse broken is it cursed yeah we don't is know. It temporarily yeah it's left on a cliffing and there was originally going to be a second movie by the way yeah that's right they were planning a second movie back in the 90s and of course they've recently said i think as early as 2003 they've said no we're not going to make the yeah. sequel so that's never going to happen but yeah i guess you know, he might have been Porco in the next movie. You never know. The curse might have been broken. I like to imagine it wasn't broken. He continued being Porco yeah, for the rest of his days. Maybe he goes to therapy and talks it out. <laughs> Sorts it out for himself. But yeah, you see the plane flying off into the sunset. It's a nice ending. But what were my thoughts on that movie? Yeah, I'm interested to hear. So here's the thing. I love a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies. I love, uh, what was it, Spirit of the Way. Uh, I loved uh, Howl's Moving Castle. I love Princess Mononoke. Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, you recommended that I watch, and I watched that recently, and it was fairly good. I wouldn't mm. say that I loved that movie, but it was still stunning, a stunning movie. So straight away, I went into this movie with high expectations. Oh, no. Because you said you're going to love this movie, yeah, and that's, it's always dangerous when you do that, because yeah. I'm going to go in with my like open arms and be like, I know I'm going to love this movie, because Maddie D told me I'm going <laughs> to love this movie. So Studio Ghibli, they always bring out a great product. They always do every time. So you, you've, you've got yeah, to go never in, made a bad movie. Yeah, you've got to go in with that expectation as well. And so I was just like, "That's well, Studio Ghibli. Matty D said I'm going to love this movie. So there's a lot riding on this. But straight away, I was blown away with like how amazing the movie looked. Just basically from the first shot, those like big fluffy clouds that they always sh- love to show. And just like the Italian sort of architecture and as well. And the water. And yeah, the beautiful ocean water. So I was like, wow, this is a really beautiful looking movie. And I'm straight away, I was intrigued with the character. I'm like, oh, what's, what's going on here? Oh, what's this? character going to do is he going to get it like is he going to get into adventures trying to dodge the secret police in italy and go around and be like a womanizer and because many d described it as like a real james bond-esque movie so i I'm think like, he is a james i'm like Bond-esque i'm excited character. for that and then i'm like oh he's a fighter pilot i hate fighter pilot <laughs> movies <laughs> They're always my least favorite. Like I hate Top Gun because they spend so much time in the airplanes. I find that the most boring parts of those movies. And uh, you know, even in Star Wars, I don't like the the spaceship dogfight. So I was just like, oh wow, oh, I hope most of this movie doesn't take place in airplanes because I really don't like that in movies. And then when I found out it was, I'm like, oh no, Maddie D, what have you done? <laughs> but no, there was enough in the movie. There was enough in the movie outside of the planes, and the plane stuff is brief enough and fun enough that you can sort of overlook that whole element of it. But, you know, there was just something about it. There was something about it. So, I enjoyed the movie. It looked really nice. The characters were nice. I had such a fun time. If I'd watched the Japanese version, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much because a lot of the fun from the movie for me was the voice actors yeah, right. and the voice acting just sitting there playing like, oh, I recognize that voice. I recognize that voice. That was such a treat. And just hearing familiar voices, like I was just slapping my knees with enjoyment <laughs> when I heard LeChuck's voice from Monkey <laughs> yeah, Island. How great appear. is the fact that he's there? Or all of the SpongeBob cast, basically, like Squidward comes in for one scene, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Squidward's voice. <laughs> That was such a treat for me. So I really enjoyed that aspect of just the dub alone. But yeah, so 
it was a really nice movie, but I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies of all time, uh-huh. just because I felt like the plot of the movie itself was really holding it back. So it wasn't as fantastical as some of the other movies like Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, which, are, as I've already said, the two movies that I really love. And I think what I like about them is just sort of the otherworldliness of those movies. And you can never really predict what's going to happen. Where Porco Rosso itself was very much grounded, aside from the whole like cartoony aspect of the, the airplanes and the pirates and the fact that he's a pig. Yeah, well, the fact that he's a pig is the only real magic yeah. in the movie. And I kind of wanted more magic from the oh, movie, really? a little bit. And I kind of wanted like more sort of espionage sort of stuff. Like I wanted more James Bond from this supposed James Bond-esque movie. But him sitting around eating pasta while watching his uh, his aeroplane being repaired is not what I want from like a James <laughs> Bond spy adventure. But no, I tell you what, I did really like the movie. I thought it was a really nice movie. I thought it was a really sort of like lovely movie. Its heart was in the right place and it was brilliant to look at. But as I've already said, my one caveat is it's, it's not my favorite Studio Ghibli movie. I don't think it'll ever be one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies, but still a great movie nonetheless. I think it deserves all the praise it gets. It's just not really up my alley. But you had fun watching it. I had, fu- I had a great time watching it. It was really nice to look. I had a smile on my face from start to finish. I laughed at a lot of the jokes. The one joke that I laughed at the hardest is when Theo and the pirates are like posing for a photo. <laughs> and then the one pirate just like as the camera, he's like, three, two, one, cheese. And before he says cheese, he like pushes all of the other pirates out of the picture <laughs> so he can just be with Theo by himself. And they're all just like falling over in the background. I laughed my ass off at that. And Leah, a lot of the jokes were great, aside from all the really over-the-top pig puns. I was making my own pig puns as the movie went on. But yes, so yeah, I did enjoy the movie, but I just didn't love it. I wish I loved it more, is basically what I'm saying. Like, I wanted to like it more, but yeah, there was just basically the sort of grounded plot. The movie not really going in the direction that I wanted it to. And the fact that it involved a lot of aerial stuff, which I hate in movies. The fact that I still liked it in spite of that, I think is a good thing. But yeah, I think that was what was really holding it back from me really loving the movie and really saying, yes, it's one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies. And maybe I overhyped it for you. Yeah, I that's still always an issue. It. Maybe if I didn't go in with that expectation, <laughs> I might have liked it more. But you know, I went in with no expectation with that movie, and I think that's why it blew me away. So what I-, I really like from a lot of anime movies these days is they can have the potential to like really sort of punch you in the gut mm-hmm. with like emotions and stuff and just have... Like, Spirited Away, I would say, is always a really emotional movie for me, or Princess Mononoke. And, it, you know, it's sort of, like, weird and disturbing in a way. And, yeah. You know, you frighten one scene and charm the next. And didn't really have that in Porco Rosso. There was no real danger in that movie. Well, I guess it was more like a fun adventure. And there wasn't really movie. the spectacle either. Like, I think about uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, where they had that giant sure. titan monster that was, like, yeah. the skin was melting off his bones as he's That's firing cool. a giant laser out of his mouth. I kind of wanted that sort of stuff from the movie. But yeah, it was a very sort of like nice, charming movie. And I guess I just went in with the wrong expectations. So yeah, so it's overall a positive review. I would say everyone should go out and watch it. It's just, yeah, it's not what I wanted from a Studio Ghibli movie. Not really what I wanted from a movie. So I can't really hold that against it. But fair enough. if you're in the right mind frame, absolutely watch the movie. Just for the visuals alone. Yeah, I find it's a movie I turn on and watch if I'm feeling like something really chill and lighthearted. Yeah, but yeah, I don't always want lighthearted from my movie experiences. (laughs) I mean, there's times where you need that. But yeah, I, I kind of want to look for that like punch in the gut. Really? Emotional like roller coaster adventure. Uh. All right, so that's Porco Rosso. Well, Did I'm you think that you... was a fair review? Yeah, no, I thought that was fair. I thought that was fair. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad I enjoyed it too. Like, I, it, would have been, it would be a terrible discussion <laughs> of us. Like, I fucking hated it. <laughs> hated every second of it. It was terrible. Yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, 
when I watched it, I was like, oh, it has elements that Kieran would enjoy. Maybe I thought that too much. It gave because- me a, a very warm, fuzzy feeling, yeah. which is always a positive thing. Because I kind of felt like, even though you disagree, I kind of got a James Bond vibe from it. And then I got yeah, like I didn't, a, I didn't really get that myself. A, a pirate vibe from it Yes, as well. I definitely... I, I really enjoyed the which pirate vibe. We're both Monkey Island fans. Yeah, the fact that LeChuck was <laughs> in, it in really it. helped it too. And then most of you the know. Monkey Island cast actually you know, were voice like, actors. When they're it? all in the in this like... 30s bar yes that is good it's kind of cool they're all kind of wanting to kill each other but they can't and then there's the bit where he's flying the plane out and all the police are trying to shoot him that's a fun scene yeah so there's scenes like that I thought you'd enjoy yeah like I said charming movie but just not really what I want from one of these movies did it hit the mark for you Uh, I'd say it flew just under the mark so yeah Uh, like I said still enjoyed it but it didn't like I said it's Mm. not it's not a movie that I'm going to go back to like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke fair enough it's it's hard to judge those movies because there there's so many good Ghibli movies. Yes, that's right. They're always going to deliver. They're always going <laughs> to deliver. Like Kiki's Delivery Service, yeah. they're always going to deliver. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about Jackie Let's Brown? Let's talk about Jackie Brown, the movie you asked me to watch. Yeah, the movie right. you've asked me to watch for years. Yeah, I think since I first watched the movie, which would have been whoa, more than 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago is when I first watched Jackie Brown. And I've known you for about that long, so I've probably been telling you to watch it since then. Just the pressure's getting harder and harder. <laughs> since I think you've seen every other Tarantino movie, with the exception of Jackie Brown. Yeah, I think so. I, I haven't seen Death Proof. I've seen okay. scenes of Death Proof, but that's a movie I don't want to ever watch. Yeah, I think you could avoid watching that one. I'm never <laughs> going to recommend you watch that, unless you're a completionist. But anyway, let's talk about Jackie Brown. So, how much do you know about like the background of the movie? Do you know uh, anything well, I at did, all? I did a little bit of research. I know it was based on a book, a novel called uh, Rum Punch. Yep, yeah. by Elmore Leonard. And so, Tarantino really likes this novel. He he kind of, when he read it, he had a visualization of what movie he wanted to make. He changed the character to the leading character to a black woman. Yeah, so she was originally called Jackie Burke mm. in the original novel in Rum Punch. And she, basically, her character wasn't at all really like she is in the movie. Mm. Made in 1997. Yep. Is that correct? So it was Tarantino's first movie after Pulp Fiction. Yeah, so Tarantino's just come off Reservoir Dogs, just come off Pulp Fiction. Everyone's right. The pressure's on. Everyone's right in the Tarantino, you know, hype train. So in his mind, he knows, like, I just made Pulp Fiction, which was like one of the biggest movies of all time. I've got to do like a follow-up. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, so he reads this book. He likes this story and he decides he wants to make a... A film version of it. And it's the only time that Tarantino has ever adapted somebody else's work into a film. Yeah, Directly, I guess, that is. I guess so. Yeah, it's the truth. Um, That's a yeah. real factoid. I'm not just you know throwing it out there. Well, I was just trying to think of all these movies, but you're right. I mean, yeah, from a book, I guess Django was a movie. Well, Inglourious it's not a direct Bastards adaptation were, of Django. Yeah, true. Same with Inglorious Bastards. So they're all original works of his. They're inspired by other works, but they're not direct adaptations. So yeah, this is his first and only direct adaptation. And there you go. So of course, you didn't really mention this as well, but the movie itself is very much an homage to 1970s black exploitation movies. Yeah, you've said that to me. It uh, isn't a black exploitation movie itself by definition. I've heard it's him just saying, inspired by yeah, that. I've heard him say in interviews it's not an a uh, black exploitation movie per se. No, it's not. But you're saying it doesn't have inspired. any of the tropes. Yeah, it's very much inspired. So a lot of the soundtrack is from black exploitation movies. And of course, yes. the lead character, Pam Greer, playing Foxy Jackie Brown. Brown, was Foxy Brown and Coffee, two huge uh, black exploitation movies. Cornerstones, I'd call them. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I think we should get into it later because I I was kind of looking for that black exploitation link there, and other than the lead character being yeah. from previous works of that, I didn't really see that too much. Well, it's just the vibe of the movie, but like I said, the story itself isn't really that whole black exploitation. Yeah, thing, so don't go into the movie expecting a black exploitation movie. I don't think I ever made that promise to you going in. No, I I just remember hearing that and thinking that's what the direction the movie was going, and I thought because you know how you know Inglorious Bastards is a, a spaghetti western film. Set. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wartime. I thought this was going to be a black exploitation film set in the nineties. That's what yeah. I thought they were going to do, or he was going to do, but it didn't really come right. across that way. No, no, and I don't think it's supposed to either, mm. because the original novel isn't that. There's yeah. no black exploitation element there. It's just sort of you know he threw in like like I said, he was inspired by black exploitation movies. You know, you could say that Django itself is a black exploitation movie, but definitely not Jackie Brown. What's my history with Jackie Brown? I basically already spoiled it there. I said, I think I watched it 15 years ago. So I was riding high, like a lot of the rest of the world. I mean, it was about 10 years later, but I was riding high on the Tarantino hype train. I just watched Reservoir Dogs for the first time. I just watched uh, Pulp Fiction for the first time. I'd already seen Kill Bill. Kill Bill was the first Tarantino movies I'd ever seen. And then I was like, oh, I need more. I need more Pulp Fiction. I need more Reservoir Dogs. What did Tarantino do next? And, of course, Tarantino hadn't made this many movies at this point. So, this is pre-Inglorious Bastard. This is pre-Death Proof. This is pre-Django. Is Kill Bill out at this time? Kill Bill had only just come out. Yeah, but that was a dud. Yeah, yeah I, I said it. Kill I, Bill's a yeah, dud. We've Fight talked me. about this before. We've talked about this before. Both Matty D and I aren't fans of Kill Bill. There's elements of Kill Bill that I like. Like we've said the before ending, in the, the past. <laughs> yeah. Like I've said in the past, the worst Tarantino film is still better than, like, the best, I don't know, Fast and Furious movie to mm-hmm. me. They're going into space, Kieran, so yeah. don't say that just yet. Well, they've already been to space and I've seen the movie. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by my guns. Yep. But yes, yeah, so I was really excited to see more Tarantino and I wanted basically Pulp Fiction 2. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, Jackie Brown, I haven't seen Jackie Brown. I'm super excited. I really want this, you know, I really want to keep that sort of like Tarantino hype train going. So I, I popped in Jackie Brown and then went in with a big smile on my face. I was all excited. And then about halfway through the movie, I was just like, oh man, this isn't the movie that I wanted at all. Oh, this is so disappointing. I really just wanted Pulp Fiction again. I wanted him to literally just, if he just made from start to finish Pulp Fiction a second time, I would have walked out happy. But because the movie wasn't that, I was so disappointed. I was about 15, 16 at the time. I was so disappointed in the movie and I was just like, I bought this movie and everything because I was so sure that I was going to like it. And I was like, I don't even think I'm going to watch this stupid movie again. I can't believe people even like this movie at all. And that's not an uncommon opinion either. A lot of people felt that at the time. Yeah, at the time, so many people were really disappointed and they thought he'd lost his his whole charm. They're like, yeah, this is nothing compared to Pulp Fiction. And I don't think it ever, in well, like, it was never trying to be Pulp Fiction. That's the whole thing. People went in expecting Pulp Fiction. You know, the movie's never going to be Pulp Fiction. But yeah, over the years, I sort of like took time to reevaluate it. I'd watch it occasionally. And for me, it's a movie that each time that I watch it, I enjoy it more. I find something else in the movie that I like. And yeah, I had a friend, a close friend of mine who also really liked the movie. And that was something we really had in common. We both like watching Jackie Brown. You have a close friend other than me? Yeah. Who? Who is this person? But yeah, so... I need to kill them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Look at this. But yeah, so yeah, basically got to the point where I was just like, I think Jackie Brown's a really solid movie. I wouldn't say, I still to this day, I wouldn't say it's one of Tarantino's best, but it's a perfect like mid-tier, completely unoffensive Tarantino film that, you know, if you've watched, if you've watched Django to death, if you've watched Pulp Fiction to death, if you've watched Reservoir Dogs to death, it's just a nice little like 
easygoing Tarantino. It's the Porco Rosso of Tarantino movies. <laughs> so this is pretty, it's a pretty making- even level playing field that we're yeah, discussing exactly. these movies. Because I know how your mind works and you sort of rank everything on a tier, that's almost right. tier that's system. Right. So for you, like you have a tier of Tarantino movies that you love. Yeah, you that's think right. think are like masterpieces. And then you have like a middle ground yeah, that's right. That's tier, right. Here and this is where Jackie Brown. Belongs. That's right. So I said this before, and this may be a controversial opinion since you love this movie so much, but I always rank this like on the same level as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me personally. Like my top tier is like Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards. Then under that's like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. While I think I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more than Jackie Brown, I put them on the same level in my mind because yeah. I get the same level of enjoyment from both movies. So. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I really liked the movie. Wouldn't say it's one of my favorite Tarantinos. Said the same thing about Jackie Brown. Again, the reason that I picked this for you to watch is because it was a movie you hadn't seen. You had this weird sort of bias against it for some reason. I guess we'll get into why you had that bias as we discuss the movie. And yeah, I just thought it was worth watching. If you're going to watch basically all the other movies in his oeuvre, why not watch Jackie Brown as well? Fair enough. It's a good attitude. That's a good reason to make me, to force me to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Should we talk about who's in the movie as well, since we did that for Porco Rosso? Yeah, let's do it. So, of course, we mentioned her already playing Jackie Brown herself was Pam Greer, well known for, you know, this. the movie basically revitalized her career. It's the standard Tarantino trope of taking an, an actor from the 70s, putting them in a modern movie, revitalizing their career again. I listened to an interview with him actually about this, and he, yeah. even though that's how it comes across... Tarantino was very much like, that's not what his intention was no. at the time. No, He thought that Pam was the best person for the role, and that's yes. who he pictured in this role for being like a, a strong female in their 40s that could pull off this Yeah, this character. This plot. Yeah, exactly. He said that he wrote the movie picturing her in mind as well. Well, he wrote his adaptation with mm. her in mind as well, of course. And I think it adds something to the, yes. the stakes of the character as well. Yeah, we can talk about the characters. We talk about the plot. But yeah, playing the the bad guy, the villain of the movie. I didn't realize he was the villain when I went into the movie. I thought he was going to be the hero. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, who's playing Ordell Roby. And the worst hairpiece in movie history. What about his little chin weird thing? Like he's got this weird sort of like braided chin strap. He looks ridiculous and I don't know why. They... Well, he's supposed to be a douchebag. Yeah, well, mission accomplished. Yeah, exactly. He's not supposed to be likable at all. He's supposed to be like this real sort of over-the-top douchebag, and mm. he absolutely is. So this is um, Samuel Jackson's favourite movie is Jackie Brown. This was his... Oh, really? I didn't know that. Th- that's what I've heard, and he loved playing this character from all accords, and Tarantino... It's not really like a, a Samuel Jackson-esque character, is not it? Not really. Like, I found it really jarring when I first watched the movie because I was like, this is not what I wanted from Samuel Jackson at all in this movie. Well, this is um, one of the first times I think people started noticing he used uh, Motherfucker. A lot. Yes, that's and right. And that became kind of his calling card. And a lot of iconic lines in, in uh, <laughs> Jackie Brown. And I, you know how we always have that joke where we're just like, or oh, Tarantino writes a character for himself in this movie? Yeah. Or all of his movies. He was in the movie. You probably didn't notice him, I but he was in it. I did notice it. But um, when I watched the movie, I always tried to pick him in the movie, and I thought it was going to be De Niro's character. But I've heard in interviews he would have cast himself as <laughs> Samuel Jackson's uh, really? Role. Yeah. Well, he could play an over-the-top douchebag, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> you mentioned him already. Robert De Niro's in the movie. One of the only times that... Well, it is the only time that Robert De Niro appears in a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Another really sort of like jarring characterization because it's not a character that I imagine De Niro playing at all. Plays the character of Louis Gara, who's straight out of prison. I think he met Samuel Jackson's uh, character in prison and they became buddies that way. But yeah, he's just sort of like this no-hoper criminal with no prospects who basically becomes a drug addict. And- who, who says very little. Yes. But does so much. Exactly. And uh, playing, I suppose, like he's like the lead hero character. Not really. Is anyone really a hero in this movie? 
uh, Max Terry, the bail bondsman. I think he is. He's like the the he's one like decent the, guy. Yeah, he's the like what is it lawful good if using uh, <laughs> the, the character line Dungeons and Dragons characteristics. But yeah, Robert Forster plays him. Rest in peace. He died last year. Mm-hmm. Probably best known from uh, these days. Best known, he was in Twin Peaks. He was uh-huh. in season three of Twin Peaks. That's not what he's best known for. But he was also in Breaking Bad as the he's the guy that you ring up when you want to disappear. So he was in the Breaking Bad movie, El Camino, and he was in sort of like the final season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. he's someone you see everywhere, and I've never really paid much attention to him. Yeah, so, so it's, it was good to see like him in This is like his biggest role. modern role, more or less. Yeah. And everyone from his company is dead. Well, two of them. How crazy. Oh, uh, you mean him and Tiny Lister? Yeah, Tiny Lister yeah you're right. They are both away. dead. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Playing the sort of like surfer girl, the lackey of uh, Samuel Jackson, probably the worst character in the movie is uh, Bridget Fonda. The only time I've ever seen Bridget Fonda in a movie. I don't understand where this whole idea of her being super hot comes from because I'm like, I didn't like her at all. <laughs> her uh, gross feet. She Well, it's a Tarantino movie, yes, right? But her feet were especially gross to me. Like so close to the glass too. I got germophobic. There's a scene where she props up her feet on the coffee table and it's literally like touching the rim of like someone else's drink. It's like, ew. And then she's like chewing like a, like she's chewing like a piece of fruit from a, like a cocktail. And I'm just like, this this character is just repugnant. <laughs> this is a repugnant shit. It's like, it's the Tarantino fetish girl though. She's yeah. doing all the things down to the denim shorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she was like considered the hottest actress at the time. I don't see it myself, but yeah, that's probably why Tarantino wanted her in the movie because he's always going to get like the hot girl in the movie. He still does it to this day. And the last person I want to mention as well, big character in the movie playing the ATF agent, Ray, is Michael Keaton, who was also Porco Rosa. <laughs> well, there's the link between the two movies. There we go. This is the this is the Michael Keaton show. Yep. Uh, man, if we did a Michael Keaton So we Keaton both show. just did two Michael Keaton movies that we like. So look at that. Yeah. So yeah, that's everyone in the movie. And I, <laughs> you've got a real challenge to explain what happens in the plot. Yes, I do. Because I rewatched the movie yesterday and I'm still confused. <laughs> I've seen this movie maybe a hundred times and I still am never quite sure of the ins and outs of the plot. So I'm going to try, challenge to me, mm. to do this as simply and as succinctly yeah, as luck. possible. So good luck. first this movie opens up, we kind of just get introduced to our main players. Yeah, that's so right. So we meet Ordell, uh, played by Samuel Jackson, and we get the idea that he he's running all these like scams and rinks. He's just recently got- Well, he's sort of he sees himself as an international drug runner, but he basically just sells- Firearms he to drug dealers. Yeah. To drug dealers. So we get introduced to the fact that he has paid for uh, Lewis's bail, but Lewis is just out of prison. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he's hanging out with... Um, so as we just established already, he's someone who we met in prison. Yeah, so he finds all these people that are kind of vulnerable, uh, people just out of jail, and he gets them to do his bidding. Yeah, that's right. Ordell does. We get introduced by the fact that Ordell's got Lewis out of prison. He's using uh, the girl... Whatever Melanie. it is, Melanie's house is a holdup, and he's discussing the fact that he, you know, delivers firearms to people. Well, in the way that he does it is they're watching like a chicks with guns video, yes. which is probably like one of the douchiest things you could imagine sitting down to watch casually. Yeah. And he's just sitting there talking over the top of the video, explaining the guns to Lewis, but in a way that he just explains them from movies that he knows them from. So he doesn't actually know anything about the guns. He's just like, oh, that was in The Killer. You know, yeah. oh, that was in, in a Hong Kong action movie. That was in, you know, if this was in a movie, people would want to buy it. But, you know, they only want to buy guns from movies. Yeah. So it's establishing him as kind of like somebody who pretends to know a lot. Yeah, that's right. And he just continually talks. Whenever Samuel Jackson's in a scene, he just talks nonstop. He's like me on the podcast <laughs> and in real life <laughs> without actually saying anything. Mm. So 
Samuel Jackson, I should I should call him Ordell. He he finds out that somebody he knows is just recently out of jail. He pays for his bond. Well, he's recently in jail. Well, he's recently in jail, yeah. busted for carrying one of his firearms. And that's the Chris Tucker character. Yeah, uh, Beaumont Beaumont Livingston. Yes, yes. And I guess um, Ordell's kind of a little bit worried about that. He he meets up with Max Cherry, who's the bail bondsman, mm-hmm. sets a deal with that. Now I don't know much about bail bondsmen, so this whole thing confused me about. I guess he. Max Cherry kind of is in charge of delivering people out of jail and making sure they don't run away and That's chasing right. them down. Yeah. So he posts their bail on the condition that they follow their, like, their, yeah. what's it called? Their, like, their parole. Their parole yeah. conditions. Yeah, that's right. So that's how he gets introduced to Max. So he pays $1,000, $1,000, yeah, to Max, you know. Uh, yeah, but so the, bi- the bail is $10,000 mm-hmm. for Beaumont. And then, you know, Odell meets up with. Beaumont. Beaumont. He's not in the movie for, for very Chris much Tucker. longer. And we get a nice little scene where he essentially kills him. Yeah, that's right. Um, he tries to convince him that he's going to like a, an arms deal with Koreans. And he's yeah. like, I need you to hide in the trunk <laughs> with a shotgun. And then, you know, if I if the deal goes south, I'm going to bang on the, the boot and you're going to pop out and rack the shotgun. Mm. You don't have to do anything. You just have to intimidate them. But it's all a ruse. Mm. Sorry, I should let you explain yeah, it. Yeah, well, getting too excited. It's, <laughs> it's, I guess it's kind of like Goodfellas where, you know, funnily enough, De Niro's character is always afraid that someone's going to turn him in. So yeah, he right. starts killing people off. It's just what Odell's doing. He's yeah, worried that right. Chris Tucker's going to kill him. He's going to um, reveal that he's the arms dealer. He's going to crack under pressure. So he yeah, kills that's him. Right. And that's, this is how we get the understanding of what sort of guy Odell is. And yeah. the fact that he's going to use these people and kill them off when, you know, to, to, when cover, he's done with them, to yeah. cover the trail. So we get that. Then we get to meet our lead character, Jackie Brown. We get to see her at the start, but we really get to see her here. And she's working with Ordell. She's carrying money across the border for these uh, exchanges from Mexico to America. So she's uh, an air stewardess. So she's able to fly those planes. So she's carrying those. She works for the worst airline to work for. She works for just like uh, um, an airline that just flies to Mexico and back. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yep. And the police are kind of on the trail of Ordell, which police are played by Ray. Um, Michael Keaton. And then another guy. Another guy with a mustache. Another guy with a mustache. And they bust uh, Jackie Brown. They kind of figure out that she's doing that. Because Beaumont spoke to them. Yes, that's right. Beaumont actually sold Samuel Jackson out. Then Jackie Brown's in trouble because they find her with money and cocaine. So So she knows the money's in the bag, but she doesn't know about the Mm -hmm. cocaine. Mm -hmm. And this is where the movie gets to the point where she agrees to help the police... Yep. And then meets up with Ordell and Ordell's like, I'm going to kill her. But then she kind of convinces Ordell, no, 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 I am i didn't tell them anything, but we can use this to your, to our advantage because we yeah, can distract right. the police while we get the rest of your money yeah, you know, all overseas. Yep. And Ordell's like, mm, uh, okay, this, this sounds okay. This sounds good. And then Jackie Brown, you know, enlists the help of the bail bondsman, Max yep. Cherry as well. Who bailed her out of jail when she was arrested. Of, yeah. So it becomes this whole thing of like, who's double-crossing who. Yeah, These are the main players. This is what's happening. And it all kind of culminates to this big exchange that's going to happen at this supermarket. <laughs> a shopping center. Yeah, a shopping center. A mall. A mall. Supermarket. They're in, like, uh, in the produce. <laughs> in the produce. Next section. to bananas. Well, yeah, in, like the, in the largest mall in the world. Yeah, that's is right. where it's supposed to at be. At the time. I don't know if that's a real place. Is it? Is it it a real was, place? but now I think Mall of America is bigger now. Yeah. They're always building bigger malls, but at the time yeah. it was the biggest mall in the southern hemisphere. No, in the northern hemisphere. And they do a trial run of this exchange where, you know, it doesn't go down well. Generally. No, it works perfectly fine. The trial run runs perfectly fine. So basically, Jackie Brown isn't in on all the information. So Jackie Brown thinks she's giving the money to like a country bumpkin girl who's mm-hmm. a drug addict. Yeah. And uh, she leaves the money with her. But then Max Cherry sees that there's a third woman. Uh, I can't remember her the name. Supremes. 
Yeah, the woman who was living with uh, Robert De Niro's character. She's she comes- in um, Scrubs, I believe. Is she in Scrubs or is she in... She could be. I don't know. I don't really know the actress that well. But she comes and takes the money instead of the country girl taking it. So the police follow the country bumpkin girl. And when the woman, you know, who works for Ordell is actually taking the money to Ordell. Mm-hmm. And then Jackie Brown wasn't aware of this. And she gets angry at Ordell because she's like, well, you're going to screw things up with the police if you do it this way. You've yeah. got to follow my rules. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble and I'm screwed. I can't start my life again. I'm in my mid-40s. That's her whole conflict. Yeah. So then we get to the actual exchange, which happens again. Yeah. And then we see this through the perspective of the three characters, Max Cherry, Jackie Brown, Lewis, who's also involved because yep. Lewis is in charge of bringing uh, Melanie over because she's going to yeah. she's going to do the exchange. So the black woman we mentioned earlier who took the actual money away. She, she did a runner. She ran off with, with the, the money. money. Yeah. So they can't use her. And also Ordell as well. So Jackie Brown goes into a dressing room to try on a suit. Yeah. A badass yeah, it's Reservoir it's, Dogs suit. It's Uma Thurman's suit from Pop Fiction. Ah. Yeah. So you, you remember Uma yeah, Thurman? She yeah, was wearing yeah. that suit through the that's, whole movie. That's so cool. I didn't I didn't pick that up. Uh, Melanie comes across. They switch the bags over. But yep. then Jackie Brown, correct me if I get any of these details wrong, by the way, uh, does another switch so that Max, the bail bondsman. Takes the real money. Takes the real money. And Melanie has the bills marked by the police. Yep. So Melanie walks out and she's so with $10,000. So- Max Cherry has fifty thousand, sorry, five hundred, half a million dollars, mm-hmm. and then Melanie's walking out with marked ten thousand dollars that the police are watching. Yeah. And she walks out with Lewis. Lewis gets annoyed with her because she keeps prodding him. She, yes. Lewis kills him, kills her, and then walks out with this uh, this amount of marked bills. Yeah, that's right. He meets up. There's with actually the- books in the bottom of the bag, so he <laughs> thinks that the money's there, but it's actually he can just feel books. the weight. Yeah. Then Lewis meets up with Ordell. They realize they've been screwed. Ordell kills Lewis. Yeah. And Max has the money. The police have nothing to go if they can't convict anybody. So they're, no. they're kind of out of it. Ordell's mad at Jackie Brown. He says, where's my money? He knows that you know she's double-crossed him. Yes. Then Max comes over to Ordell and is just like, no, 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 no. This does, it doesn't happen that way. We realize that we're you know screwed. So she improvised, you know, so none of us would get arrested. And yep. Ordell's like, well, I don't know if I trust that. She's scared of you. Um, she's, she's hiding in my office. Also, Jackie Brown did this whole thing where she pretended like she'd been robbed by Melanie. So the police yep. think that she's, you know, got robbed. Because she's supposed to be making the exchange with the country bumpkin girl. Yeah. So confusing when yes. you break it down like this. So Adele's like, okay, well, I'll meet with only Jackie to get my money. So they meet up with at Max Cherry's office and surprise, surprise, the police are there already yep. and shoot Ordell. Because she says he's got a gun. Yep. Police are happy because they capture Ordell. Jackie well, has- They kill him. Yeah. <laughs> but I well, suppose they capture his body. Well, yeah. Well, you know, and and that crime stops. Yep. Um, Jackie Brown is he's Seemingly free. innocent in their eyes. He's like, well, she doesn't have the money because we have. they think that they have the money because they think that she was only bringing in 10,000. They took that 10,000 from Lewis's body and Samuel Jackson. So they think- oh, The 5,000, you mean? 10,000. Oh, 10,000. 10, yeah. 10, so they took that yep. and they're like, all right, that's all above board. We're keeping the money. And they don't know that Jackie Brown has the 50,000. Yep. So Max Cherry too. And Jackie Brown is going to go off to Spain, live yep. the rest of her life, be happy. She's, she asks Max to come to come with her mm-hmm. or suggest that. They have the most awkward kiss in movie history. Mm. And then she leaves and that's the, that's the rundown of the movie. He thinks about going after her, but then she leaves before he like, can have a chance to. Mm-hmm. And we, cut, we end on a really long shot of her face where she doesn't look too sure. Yeah. She looks a bit depressed. So, yeah, in summation, it's a lot of characters double-crossing each other, telling the truth, but we're not we're not too sure if yeah. what their intentions are. 
for me, I know you're just about to review the movie, but for me, the thing that I like most about the movie isn't the whole complicated sort of like heist and scheme thing. Which I heard Tarantino himself say. He said the movie works as a hangout movie, which I think yeah. is what you're about to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm going to say I like the characters hanging out and having conversations, going to bars and just, you know, just the standard Tarantino dialogue. So the stuff that Tarantino added to the plot is the stuff that I really like. And the stuff that I think, oh, you know, I could take or leave it is the stuff from the original Elmore Leonard novel. Not that that's bad. You know, I like a good sort of like film noir novel, pulpy novel as much as the next person. But in a Tarantino movie, I'm there for the Tarantino. Yeah. But let's hear your thoughts. All right. So before I get stuck into my thoughts, I just want to give a little bit of a history with me in this movie. There you go. So there was no real reason why I didn't watch this movie other than the fact that I kind of saw it and it was the... The movie of Tarantino that I was least interested in watching. I was like, saw it, it was about a stewardess. Saw it was set mm. in the 90s. It wasn't a period piece. It wasn't as exciting as like... Well, Re- Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are not yeah, period pieces. But like, I've, I saw enough of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and, and enough people saying it was really good to get me excited about yeah. it. You know, like I saw that scene at the diner where they're having a conversation with tips you know, of Reservoir Dogs yeah. and being like, well, this looks like a really good movie. I'm interested. And, you know, seeing the the slicing ear of Pulp Fiction or whatever and being like, what, what's well, happening? Well, that's Reservoir Dogs, but still. Oh, Reservoir Dogs, sorry. Or the Pulp Fiction, you know, whatever. Pick the ham- any scene in Pulp yeah, Fiction. Yeah, any scene. scene. The hamburger scene, you know what I mean, where they're yeah. talking about hamburgers. For me to be like, I'm really interested in watching this movie and everyone talks about how great they are. I just want to get them underneath my belt. So I was always like with Tarantino, there were movies... I was like interested in it. Jackie Brown just kind of like fell under the who cares umbrella. Like right, I was yeah. like, eh, I don't really, not really interested. It doesn't seem like my cup of tea. Watching, watching bits of it, I didn't really, didn't really grab me. You kept saying to me that you thought I should give Jackie Brown a chance. Yeah. I might be surprised. It's worth a watch anyway is what you always said. And to the point where you've made me want, like you've, you've shown me clips of this movie when we've been drinking. Yeah. Especially the scene where Samuel L. Jackson drives. Yeah, with Beaumont. With Beaumont. In and there's trunk. that. Very beautifully shot scene where he dry like the he whole puts on setup. his gloves to strawberry letter twenty three. Yeah, he locks uh, Chris Tucker in the trunk and drives off, and uh, the music cuts out and then comes around the corner and surprises him on all the build up and and even when I watched that, I was like, yeah, okay, cool scene, but I still have no interest in watching this whatsoever. Yeah, um, until you made me watch it for this show there we go. reluctantly. So there we go. So to, he's under duress. Set, he's watching it under duress is always like a good situation set, to watch the movie. To set the table for how my movie experience went, this movie was on stand so I could watch it safely in my own house. Yep. I fired it up. I started watching it. Um, I got a phone call halfway through, so I had to stop it and pause it. Yep. And I took the phone call and then I was like, I don't know if this says how I felt about the movie, but I was like, I really need to drink for this movie. So there I went go. out and bought stuff to make old fashions with. So I oh, started wow. mixing. You're cocktailing it up. Well, because I saw Samuel, a little bit fancy. Samuel L. Jackson just drinking uh, screwdrivers. screwdrivers and I was like, I really need something like this. And I'm, I'm an old fashioned guy. So they also smoked a lot of weed during <laughs> the movie too. So you're probably like, what, what a great bong they had, by the yeah. way. I think they smoked crack in one scene too, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And my housemate came down and joined me. So I was, I was drinking, watching it. And I was like, okay, and I got through that. And then I kind of did a little bit of research and I kept hearing that Quentin Tarantino said, oh, no, it's not good the first time. You've got to watch it the second time. And I'm like, if I come in- He says that really? Yes, he does. If I come in watching this movie once, then Kieran's going to be like, no, Matty D, you're you're robbed of an experience. I was like, fuck it. We're watching it a second time. Wow, you watched it twice. Drunk my cocktails the second time around, watched it again. And here I am, two two watch-throughs of the movie because I wanted to get the hangout vibe of it. Yeah. 
So I suppose if you're watching the movie for the first time, you're trying to wrap your brain around what's happening and you're not really like taking everything in, are you? You're just trying to work out what the plot is. And when you know, when you go into a movie knowing where it's going, I suppose it's a lot easier to take in all like the details and really sort of work out whether you liked it or not. Yes. When I first watched this movie, I didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah. Like I said, I was the same. I kind of felt like it, from a plot standpoint, there was a lot of building up to a lot of nothing. And I and I kind of got the vibe that, oh, we're supposed to be like, who's who do we trust? What's going on? But no one was ever really deceitful, right? The whole formula of the movie was character does something, then goes to the other person who's the... So, for example, Jackie Brown will do something with the police. She'll go to Odell and say exactly truthfully what has happened with the police. Yeah, that's right. And we're all like, oh, so she's working with Odell. Then she'll go to Max Cherry and say exactly what she did with Odell. And they're like, oh, okay. So, it's just a bunch of characters walking to each other telling the truth. No one lies in this movie. No. But everyone, we're thinking everybody is deceitful. And we don't know why she's doing any of this. No, we don't. So, I guess for me, the movie was kind of... It kind of just hit that same note over and over again. And I didn't particularly care for most of the characters. So I, I never really got the, the stakes behind it because I was yeah. like, who cares if they, if they get caught? Who cares if this happens? You know, it just kept just kept repeating that formula. And there was a few exceptions to this because there were some like scenes I really enjoyed, particularly Robert De Niro. Whenever Robert De Niro was on screen, I was yeah. having the best time. And I love- like his awkward sex scene with Melanie? Yes. <laughs> Three minutes later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of a three minute sex scene because they're having like this really awkward sort of like small yeah. talk conversation and then she's like do you want to fuck and then they have like a three minute sex scene well they, we see the, like the climax of the sex mm. and then they can actually have a conversation because there's not that awkwardness hanging in the air anymore yeah but yeah I guess like I you're watching this movie and you know you see the feet and you see Melanie be like your typical Tarantino fetish model where she's like being like a flower child with an attitude and it's like yeah okay this shit again. And then, you know, Samuel Jackson being really deceitful and cunning and it's like, okay, this shit again. But well, he's supposed to be an idiot as well. Yeah. His lips moves when he reads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh. But then, yeah, there was, there was like anytime Robert De Niro was on stage, that was when I was like, I always love Robert De Niro as an actor, but like, I just kept watching this being like, God, what a good actor. Like he's got nothing and he's the most captivating person on the screen and he can be with, you know, Samuel Jackson, who's got all the lines, got mm. all the cool shit to do and say. And I'm still looking at De Niro fumble with a phone and being like, guy's so cool. Then I got to admit, I watched it the second time and without the expectation of anything happening, because really nothing happens through this whole movie. I, yeah. could, I could enjoy it. You a could see bit why I was so disappointed going in after Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I Reservoir Dogs. I still don't rate it highly in Tarantino movie land, Yep, um, which I'm, I'm sure you probably predicted. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but there was there it's was hard to compare this to like your Inglorious Bastards well, the, or uh, Django Unchained well, the thi- the or thing, even Hateful Eight. Really, yeah. The thing is, is nothing happens in this movie. I mean, you know, towards the end maybe, but like really, the whole movie just drags out, and and there's a whole lot of nothing. But there's like enough good scenes to enjoy in it. Like there's there's some conversations that happen that are engaging. There are some like cool moments that are engaging, but like. There's like no payoff ever. Which is why I was so disappointed when I first watched the movie. Mm. Probably the first few times I watched the movie. Yeah. But having said that, I could enjoy the acting of it because the acting was really good. Yeah. I thought Robert Forrester, who I, he kind of blends in the background for me, delivered a really good performance. Yeah. Um, I thought Pam. Pam Greer, yeah. Was like really good. And again, Robert De Niro was friggin' awesome. And Keaton was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it was like watching, watching a, a bunch of really what good about actors. about Samuel Jackson? Yeah. 
You didn't like his performance? I thought his performance was really good. Oh, it was. You just didn't like the character because you're not supposed to like the character. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to like the character, but I thought it was very over the... Well, it, it was kind of like, I'm the bad guy. He was like, I'm the bad guy character. I'm going to like slow, sleek in and, you know, be yeah, menacing. I suppose I could see that. And be like really charming, but really like sleazy. And then I read afterwards that Quentin Tarantino had his had himself in mind for this character, which yeah. ruined it again for me because I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. How By the way, Tarantino was Jackie Brown's uh, voicemail. He was the robotic <laughs> voice of the voicemail. That was his t- his cameo in the movie. Really? Yes. Well, that's funny. That's <laughs> really funny. He's the one who goes, you have one new message. That was his whole cameo in the movie. my housemate was making fun of that voicemail. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was Tarantino. Yeah, I noticed he wasn't in that. I had a lot of nostalgia for the malls. That was fun. Yeah. Watching like yeah, 90s exactly. malls. I was like, I being able to go to a shopping center. Yeah, that would be yeah. nice. <laughs> that nostalgia as well. So look, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. And there was there was parts of it that I enjoyed. And definitely I agree with you. Like the Tarantino conversations are definitely uh, the highlight of it. But yeah, by the end of the movie, I was just like, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nothing happens from start to finish. So from the sounds of it, we've come in and both given two like <laughs> very mediocre reviews. <laughs> Sort of looks like we both came in and gone, yeah, I could see how you appreciate it, but I don't love it. Look, we both said the same thing. I would say this movie's overrated, but no one rates this movie. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, it wasn't very good. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. So you you didn't like the movie. So you liked it less than probably I liked Porco Rosso. And I think I was being fairly generous. By the sound of it. But again, there was parts of it that were enjoyable. But for the most part, I don't think I'd watch this movie again. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, And as I said, I probably wouldn't watch Porco Rosso again, but still enjoyed it. It was enough of an experience for me. You know, I, I was sort of like, I predicted going in and I'm like, you know, the stakes are so high for this one. Like, there's no way that this is going to hold up to other Tarantino movies for Matty D. And I've already built it up. Oh, I forgot so. to tell you, after my first watch through, I had to cleanse my palate and I watched Inglorious Bastards oh, straight really? after. There you go. And then, uh, oh my God, watching like Jackie Brown and then watching the opener from Inglorious Bastards yeah, exactly. was just like- It's like night and day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like, it was like eating a- a dry piece of bread and then just eating ice cream straight after. I was like, if, oh my God. If you watch Death Proof straight afterwards, <laughs> Jackie Brown would look like Inglorious Bastards. Uh, look, maybe I was too hard on old Jackie Brown. Maybe, you know. Maybe in the future you'll start to like, I definitely come enjoyed around it, on it the next watch through. But I think if I was to recommend this movie, I wouldn't I would Here's recommend- Here's the thing, Manny D. It took me years to yeah. come around to it. I didn't come around to it the next day. I would have never watched it a second <laughs> time within 24 hours. I would say if you're going to, if someone was interested in Tarantino movies, I might recommend this, but I'd recommend other Tarantino movies first, of course. But I would say this is a movie you put on, you don't pay much attention to, and you you can sort of put it on in the background while you do other yeah. things. I think that's where this movie works. Yeah, and you can kind of yeah, chime in and enough. out. Even though the the plot is really complicated, you can just kind of it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, does it? You can switch yourself on autopilot. Yeah, you don't really get anything following the plot. No. So if you just want to be there with the characters and hear the Tarantino dialogue, go for it. But don't go in expecting to understand all the ins and outs of the Elmer Leonard plot. Yeah. So there you go. So you basically had the exact reaction that I thought you'd have. Like I said, maybe one day down the track you'll be like, you know what? I haven't thought about Jackie Brown in five years. Well, I came around to Hateful Eight. I enjoy that a lot more than I did oh, really? in the cinemas. Oh, wow. When I watched it in the cinemas, that is. I've only ever seen it that one time, and I don't think I could rewatch it. I own it, and I don't think I could rewatch it because I'm just a completionist. I have mm. all of the Tarantino movies, except Death Proof. <laughs> Why not Death Proof? <laughs> so that's our show. Maybe people should recommend movies to us. I think next time, next time we do this, we're going to force each other to watch a movie that we know the other person is going to hate, and it's just going to be an experience. So I'm going to recommend a movie that I hate to Matty D that I know he's going to hate, and he's probably going to do vice versa to me. <laughs> so I think that'll be more fun, and that'll be a more fun conversation in the future, because it's always hard to talk objectively about movies that, are, you know, that aren't terrible. 
I know you said that you didn't think Jackie Brown was a great movie, but you know it wasn't terrible. It's no, not it wasn't Tarantino's terrible. worst. No, it wasn't terrible. I think we'd have more fun. It's always hard talking about movies that aren't terrible. Yeah. See, all the magic from this show is when we cover it, like <laughs> Gemini Man or something, Men in Black International. Or something you really love. It's really easy to talk about something yes. you really love. but Yeah. Well, didn't you say you really love Porco Rosa? I do. Well, there you go. Uh, I wouldn't say I really love Jackie Brown. I mean, I like it, but I wouldn't say it's definitely, you know, I said it already. It's not one of my favorite Tarantino movies, but you've seen it now. You, yeah, now you'll get the references. It is very middle ground, yes. Jackie Brown. Porco Rosso is fun. Yeah. It's not what I wanted, like I said, from Studio Ghibli, but- it was still a very spectacular movie nonetheless. All right, let's wrap it up for another week. Let us know what you think of those movies. Yeah, if you haven't seen either of those, go out and watch them and give them a review yourself. Let us know if we're wrong with our we're, opinions. We're not wrong, they're our opinions. If, uh, if, well, you know, everybody's wrong on the internet, right? If you really like Jackie Brown, give me a surf, mm. yell at me. And if you really like Porco, Porco Rosso. Rosso. Mm. Even though I think I gave it a really sort of, for the most part, glowing review. Like I just said, it's a wonderful movie, just not for me. I can appreciate it, but just not for me at the end of the day. But before we wrap it up for another week, let's talk about what we're going to be covering next week. And then after uh, um, over a month of not doing it, we're finally going back to actual spoilers. We're returning to actual spoilers every second week again, since movies are starting to slow down a little bit. Sort of like new movies in the future are starting to slow down a little bit. So, next week, we're going to return to a movie we covered all the way back in 2019. In fact, it's the final movie of 2019 that we've covered, and we're going to see how well we did. And yes, we're going back to Spies in Disguise, the Will Smith animated vehicle with Tom Holland in the sidecar. I've already seen this movie too many times. Yeah, me too. I've seen it once. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to get into how well or how poorly... We did, because we both did separate predictions for that one. And I think I think I know who the winner's going to be for that one. But so, we will see next week. I believe that movie is available on streaming services. It is. Yep. So, go watch that if you haven't already, because we're going to talk all things spies in disguise. disguise. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Can't wait to talk about that next week. And until then... Until then, I'm going to travel in Kieran's, in the back of Kieran's car, in the trunk of his car with a shotgun, Yep. before my spell is lifted and I can turn back into a human. And I'm going to be in the gunner's seat with my huge ass. <laughs> AK-47, the very best there is. When you absolutely, positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitute.